Well, I think we got that all squared away then. We're ready to go, I, I dare say. Why don't we just do it? <clears throat> That's what I thought. Yep. Well, welcome to Super Superstitious. The uh, paranormal podcast in which we take a scientific tack to the spooky and whack. Perfect. There, there it go. is. Just <laughs> <laughs> like searching with your eyes. Oh, God, what rhymes with tack? <laughs> I'm Jake. I'm Wyatt. And we're going to hit you up with some more spooky good times this week. Oh, yeah. We've got for you some, um, how should we say, haunted locales, not necessarily houses. Spooky spots, perhaps? Spooky spots, indeed. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just now realizing I did not prepare show titles. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, oh, shoot. Well, oh, well, this part stays in. Uh, everyone should know we had this grand plan to um, prepare many travel channel type uh, show names that would all have to do with just spooky locations along with taglines. We maybe just saved you all a headache <laughs> hearing our dumb jokes. Yeah. We do enough of them as it is, but I'm, I'm disappointed. I know Jake's disappointed. I might not ever recover <laughs> why are you laying down on the floor like that <laughs> this is where i feel happy now <laughs> but you're crying so much um so before we do get started before we get into our spooky locales our creepy um, um coordinates uh, yeah uh i have first an update on the Phantom of the Chicago. Oh boy. Act 39, I'm just going to say it. So I have Carry a couple on. of reports. Both of them were taken by Lon Strickler at Phantoms and Monsters. Apparently people have now been reaching out to and harassing witnesses. So locations and names are all now redacted. Oh. Uh, so, quote, I discovered your website after doing some looking around on the web regarding flying creature reports. After reading through your blog, I felt comfortable to report what happened to me and my boyfriend recently in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So a little ways away from, you know, it's mostly been in Chicago where these flying winged, um, they're winged and they're flying, uh, <laughs> bat-like creature humanoid things have been uh, just terrorizing Who, who knows, the they could have had jets for, for feet. Maybe they didn't have wings. They just had some kind of propulsion system. <laughs> that is entirely possible. Backpacks. <laughs> Trapper keeper. So we're still in the Great Lakes area, but now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee. Uh, this occurred on April 13th, 2018 at about 10 to 10.30 p.m. Oh, damn. We were parked in the parking lot next to the Redacted, which is right off of <laughs> Redacted. I did not, it's, always, it's written in all capital letters and parentheses everywhere that occurs, so I'm just going to read it as it appears. He's trying to be so FBI about it. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I wish he had just, bl- just blacked, blacked out, out the yeah. text, yeah. Uh, we were parked in the parking lot next to yeah the redacted, which is right off of Redacted. I do not wish to discuss what we were parked there for. Suffice it to say, it's a dark place to park at night. This is... <laughs> um, I just like yeah, this. Uh, I'm not comfortable describing our reason for being there, but let's just say it's a place where no one can see your naked body glistening with sweat <laughs> as you heave in ecstasy, nor can they hear your moaning. I won't go redacted! Into redacted! I won't go into any detail about what we're doing there, but we did have a 36-pack of condoms, five dildos, and a length of rope. <laughs> so, yeah, just person trying to be coy, but just <laughs> making it very explicit what she they or They actually wrote doing. that? No, no, no. Oh, my God, for no. a second there. I was like, as far as she was, no fucking way they wrote that. She, she was saying, uh, I did not wish to discuss what we were parked there for. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I was like, come on. We like to hold hands in the dark, guys. <laughs> Naked. Uh, 
My boyfriend looked up and totally freaked out when he says he saw a pair of large glowing red uh, eyes staring right <laughs> back at him. Quick, careful choice of words. <laughs> I looked up and saw it standing in front of my car. It made a sort of chirping sound that we heard when we turned down the radio. When we moved, it put what looked like a hand on the hood of the car, and then we saw what looked like wings spread wide open. I panicked and turned on the car, which automatically turned on the headlights, and it lit up what looked like a large bat. It had black skin that looked like glossy, wet leather that shined in the light. It then screamed at us, pushing its head out and its arms back, and then flew up into the air. You could hear the wings flapping as it jumped up, and within a few seconds, it landed behind my car. Its body still able to be seen when I pressed the brakes and the brake lights shined. Uh, very action movie. Yes. Very intense. Uh, both of us were screaming at this point when it flew back up in the air and landed about six feet from the passenger side door where my boyfriend sat. We wasted no time in trying to get out of there. As we backed up and whipped the car around, we saw it land in front of us off to the side of the car about three feet away. I honked my horn and turned on my brights and it screamed again and flew up into the air. We screeched out onto Redacted and headed toward I think it was Redacted when my boyfriend says he saw it land again just off the road on his, uh, his side of the car. We did not stop to investigate and floored the car to get out of there. We got onto Redacted and were passing the apartment buildings when we saw something fly right over the car lower than the lamppost screaming as it flew out of sight. What? This is so intense. Yeah, it's easily the most intense encounter yet. We got to my house and stayed in the car for about 15 to 20 minutes. I was hysterical and crying and my boyfriend was shaken up. It took me another 30 minutes to get myself together and go drop off my boyfriend and drive myself back home. I've had repeated nightmares since then and it's been difficult to sleep without the closet light on. My boyfriend also says he has um, has had nightmares. But not about this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you believe me and that you won't think I'm crazy. It could not have been a large bird like some people seem to say it might be. I know whatever it was must have been intelligent. It's just a feeling that I have that tells me so. Thank you, J.R. R. Tolkien. <laughs> Lon contacted the witness and received the following information. I estimate it stood about seven feet tall, and the wingspan has to have been about seven to eight feet wide or more. I almost got the feeling like it was toying with us. It knew we were scared shitless, and it toyed with us by scaring us even further. As far as physical reactions, it <laughs> took me a few hours to finally get back to normal. Uh, took me a few hours to finally get back to normal. Took me a few hours to finally get back to somewhat normal. I, like, I wish it took you a few hours to read that line. It's <laughs> just an odd place for the adverb. Um, <laughs> I threw up twice just from jitters, and I had a feeling like I was being watched, even though the curtains were closed. It took my boyfriend more than four hours to get back to normal, so he had to go to the hospital. <laughs> Currently, I still feel like I'm being watched, almost like I'm marked in some way. Last night was the first night I slept without the lights being on, and it took me about an hour and a half to finally fall asleep. It's put me off uh, wanting to go out at night anymore, even though I have to in order to finish college by July. We've been at that same spot countless times previous, and this is the first time we've seen this thing. J.R. Countless times previous. Do a lot of, uh... A lot of fucking... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Suffice it to say, it's a dark place to park a car. Right. right. Um, night bathing. Night swimming deserves a quiet night. I, I can't do an REM impression. <laughs> Uh, a couple in Wheeling, Illinois, also saw a bat-like creature, a bat-like humanoid, at about 10.50 p.m. on April 30th. Oh, boy. So, more recently. Very recent, indeed. It was, quote, a large winged humanoid flying above the trees and creek behind their residence. Uh, they were in their residence and observed the being for up to 30 seconds. 
They went out on their balcony to get a better look and possibly get a photograph, but the winged being had moved south and out of sight. <laughs> the winged being. Mm-hmm. Law noted that he was later told that the wings were like those of a large bat and dark in color. I also saw a very recent post about a sighting of a, quote, Jeepers Creepers looking creature in Texas, though the post was from September. It's a recent post, but of an older account. It includes a video meant to be related, though not actually, of the encounter in question. This comes from True Horror Stories of Texas. Ooh. The video I'm going to play you now is not oh, of the actual sighting involved. It's just a related video that they sometimes on the site they'll post pictures and videos of things that are just relevant to what they're talking about. Oh man, I'm so ready. So here is some kind of flying flying what? bat creature. Oh shit. Apparently in Texas somewhere. It's been uh it's just yeah. Off. No way. It's really cool looking. It looks like what dragon wings it does. or something? It's it's big. It's in the distance. It's you know, of course, it's not super crystal clear or anything. Wow, up in the, the clouds. Fuck, could that be photoshopped? Uh, it could be some kind of uh, digital manipulation, Enhance. but it's just. It's but I mean, so the digitization of the thing is similar with the background. As far as the pixelation yeah, of it, the pixelation, being, yeah, as I you mean. zoom in, like it's it's equally low quality to the rest. Yikes! That's so creepy, man. If it is animated digitally or something, it's someone who kn- really knows what they're doing and was able to make it totally blend seamlessly into the video it's in. Now, but, does the wing beat frequency make sense to you? I mean, if you look at how massive its body seems to be, maybe. But for a wingspan that big, it's hard to say. Like you think about bats, they're flapping their wings like crazy, but they're small. Um, usually, right. the, usually the bigger an animal is, the fewer wing beats it requires because it has such a large surface yeah, area to yeah. the wings. It's um, Ooh. it's hard to say. Creepy so, man, holy shit! Yeah, a creepy uh video. Yes, indeed. From True Horror Stories of Texas. dot com. That helps me segue into my main story. Oh yeah, which is also from that very same website. Tetious. That is to say, I got some more Texas spooks. Oh boy! Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story The Tale of the Haunted Road. Ooh. I don't have any, like, sand to throw in a fire, but... <laughs> or a fire, for that matter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we begin with an account from a guy named Casey, posted on July 27th, 2016. Ooh, recent. Says, yes. Says Casey, I live on Laoma Road in Mission, Texas. I'm assuming it's pronounced Loma. Either that or Lahoma. La H-O-M-A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Loma. That's actually how you say it. <laughs> you actually have to say it. No wonder there's a period after each letter. Uh, I live on Loma Road <laughs> in Mission, Texas. I moved in three years ago with my wife and mother-in-law. My wife and I have experienced strange sightings and noises after we moved in. Here are mm. some of those experiences. Mm. First of all, my wife has always been sensitive to the spirit world. She has an ability to see ghosts. One day, as she was showering, she looked over to the small window, which happened to be open just enough for her to see outside. She noticed a weird figure of some sort, as if a person was hanging. She called it a hangman figure. <laughs> this, <laughs> that's that's uh, very descriptive. Forward, yeah. This figure, this dead, hanged man outside, was looking directly at her through the window. Hey, who said he was dead? <laughs> this guy's editorializing already actually this is better still that's me editorializing that, oh. that, part's, that part's in brackets this is uh, <laughs> saying it was someone who looked like he had been hanged yes indeed um 
So and, presumably, lo and behold, he, died he of was it. staring, staring at her through the window. We also have a light post in the backyard, which brightly lit up the area where the figure was until the figure suddenly disappeared. It was almost as if the figure used the energy from the light to manifest itself. Now that is him editorializing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> hypothesizing what's going on. After the figure disappeared, the light bulb popped, and we haven't changed it ever since. Mm. This just happened last week. So there's a fairly recent occurrence. Pretty spooky, yeah. For old Casey. This next account comes from a woman named Laura from July 23rd. 2017. This story was told to me by one of my friends, the same friend that had this horrifying experience. This dates back to 1995. My friend was night cruising with a couple of friends after work. <laughs> back then, La Oma Road was just a citrus grove plantation full of orange trees. Not many houses, just this lonely two-lane road with no street lights. Well, my friend was night cruising, which I keep saying as though it's a thing. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, night cruising. It's like night swimming. It's like night swimming. Deserves a quiet night. Exactly. You ever been skinny cruising? <laughs> uh, having fun and drinking. When they happen- just called it a booze cruise. Yeah. When they happened to pass by this road during the wee hours of the morning, suddenly the driver of the car spotted a biker through the rear view mirror pedaling fast coming from behind the car, <laughs> causing the driver to swerve to the side to allow the biker to pass by. It's very polite of them. Yes. But that never happened. The biker simply vanished right before everyone's eyes. Ooh. You know what's funny? You said biker, and my first image was of a... You did just say biker like motorcyclist, correct? Well, biker would imply a motorcyclist, but they actually mean bicyclist. They do mean a bicyclist. Yes. Okay, carry on. Is that what you're picturing? Yes. Good. Well, I said pedaling fast. So. You did. Okay, good. But, my, uh, my brain holds only the last one second of memory. <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> um... The driver of the car and all the passengers started to shake uncontrollably with a chill running down their spines. Even the ones who, that were drunk got sober ASAP. <laughs> got sober ASAP. As soon as possible. <laughs> Guys, so. let's get sober quickly. Let's do it now. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> uh, the driver sped up and drove 100 miles per hour till they got to a safe place. <laughs> In this case, we can only assume that the, the jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In this case, we can only assume that the safe place is just anywhere on the road except where their car is while they're driving. Exactly. Um, many days later, my friend started to research into the legend of this biker and came up with a story about a bicyclist that got killed by a drunk driver many years back. Oh, boy. I believe this happened in the 1960s when Loma Road was nothing. Which <laughs> Nothing! Do you hear which me? Which then kind of makes you wonder how there was a bicyclist and a car accident if there i don't know if it wasn't yeah if there wasn't a space for it to have yeah Yeah, i don't know it's supposed to have happened back at the dawn of (laughs) time thousands of years ago the first bicyclist uh since then the phantom square tires (laughs) Uh, since then the phantom biker appears to those who are drinking and driving to warn them Mm. nowadays laoma road is very uh is a busy road full of houses and businesses partially lit with streetlights and heavily trafficked compared to 20 years ago my friend remembers this vividly like it happened yesterday and travels on La Oma Road about once every other night. When I asked him if he has seen anything, he changes the subject because he doesn't like to talk about that experience Ooh, anymore. Boy. Creepy. Creeped out by a bike person. Spooky. I mean, I always get freaked out when I see people on bikes on roads but just because I get really nervous when there isn't adequate space for... Oh, I tell you. Yeah. In our native lands of New Hampshire, we have basically no shoulder, so... Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not... Bike at your own risk. It's a downside to old New England roads that they were designed to be super narrow and then trying to make them wider doesn't really happen very often, especially in rural areas, so it's, mm. uh, it's a little hairy sometimes. But I've only hit, like... 
three or four bicyclists so far, so I think oh, I'm doing nice. pretty good. You're doing pretty good, then. Yeah. Now we turn to a guy named Kevin for the kind <laughs> of story that only someone named Kevin could tell. This is posted on May 10th, 2016. Last night, after spending some time at my friend's house here in Mission, I was driving home on La Oma Road. I live out in the Colonias past 107. I take this road all the time at night. It's very dark with no lights at all. At around 1240, I was driving down the road, almost home, when a few feet in front of me, just about where your car lights end to see what's in front of you, I witnessed this large black cloud float across the street extremely fast. Hmm. It wasn't translucent. It was just like a dark pitch black cloud, and poof, before I could reach the other side, it was gone. At first, I wasn't scared. More like WTF? Which, again, probably stands for something. I had no shape, no form, just a black cloud floating super fast. After I drove a little more, it started freaking me out. I was looking in my rearview mirror with a fear that it was following me. Mm. I got home, got out of the car fast, went inside and watched some TV to put that out of my mind until, until this morning. What it was, I don't know. It was just very strange, and that's my encounter. I haven't told anybody else this yet. This is something that happened to him the night prior to writing this into the uh, oh the website. That. Um, Kevin, however, was not alone in having such a sighting on oh, this stretch of road. Kevin Noel submits the following account: I encountered the exact same thing, but on um, FM four ninety, driving back to Edinburgh from Raymondville around eight p.m. Hmm. My cousin and I saw it just there, floating on the lane. As we drove by, it just went over the car. And we both looked at each other and said, WTF? <laughs> and please, if you can offer any insight on what this what means, reach out mean? to us via contact at superduperstitious.com. I looked at my rearview mirror when, and saw nothing. When? What is this fog? Oh, that makes perfect sense. Okay. But wouldn't it be, should be W-I- WITF? Yeah, maybe it's a mistake. You may never know. I looked back at my rearview mirror and saw nothing. This was back in 2009, around September. The weird part is that I drove through there for six years because I was working at Raymondville, and the only time I encountered this was when I was carpooling with my cousin from work on this one particular occasion. It was a biker who was killed by <laughs> someone carpooling their cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Come to warn or them. A cloud that was killed by... <laughs> <laughs> the dangers of driving your cousin to work or yes. whatever. All right, sorry. <laughs> my cousin tells me a lot of strange stories that she encounters. But now I have one of my own. Take that, Felicia. Yeah, you can't have all the spooky stories. <laughs> Sometimes we'll have shared ones together. That's right. You and me, Noel. <laughs> WTF. With Mark Merritt. His podcast actually stands for What Is This Fog with Mark Merritt. <laughs> That's right. He's demystifying the backstories of different oh, people he interviews. There it is. Uh, finally come to another story from Casey, this time from July 29th, 2016, mm-hmm. i.e. two days after his previous story. I live on La Oma in Mission, Texas. I moved in three years ago with my wife and mother-in-law. Yes, yes, we remember all that. Uh, well, one day I came back from church and my wife went to shower while I stayed in our room watching television with the lights off. What? That's I don't a know. loaded sentence. Uh, when I felt comfortable and cold, I grabbed my covers and started dozing off to sleep. As I closed my eyes with the covers over my head, I felt the force <laughs> pulling me down. I'm super curious about just Casey's general... He's got general, a funny lifestyle. His, yeah. He, um, his wife is always in the shower. Yeah, he's always, <laughs> like, doing his own thing. And he... Um, Sleeps at the covers Yeah, he got home from church, which one assumes is, like, midday. Yeah. And uh, 
Now he's at home with all the lights off. With the lights off, and then pulls the blankets over his head. All to the nap. way over his head to nap. I feel like Casey's the kind of person who poops naked. <laughs> Has to take his pants fully off to pee in a urinal. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, as take I cl- that, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> as I closed my eyes with the covers over my head, I felt a force pulling me down. As I, as I fought to get up while trying to move. I felt small feet jumping or prancing on top of my bed along with voices. I felt my heart racing and continued trying to get up. Before I arose, I heard a terrible demonic voice saying, Have fun tonight. (laughs) Prancing, he says. Prancing. I rushed to turn on the light, but there was no one. I checked under the bed. Again, no one. But there, standing. (laughs) Yeah. The only person I could think of was my wife or my daughter. I also like that in both his stories, Casey is careful to mention that he moved to mission with his wife and his mother-in-law, but this is the first we're hearing of his having a daughter. He also, yeah, he does a lot of, like, um, abrupt introductions of key narrative elements. Yes. You know what I mean? He's like, also, my daughter's a character in this story. Like, oh, okay, cool. Cool to front load that, but yeah. Good to know. Yeah, exactly. Carry on. Uh, I checked with my wife while she was showering and asked her where our daughter was. She said she just had uh, had just put her to sleep. This just occurred last month in my home. He checked with his wife, but she was too distracted by a hangman <laughs> to figure outside the window while she was showering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there wasn't even a bulb this time. So those are the stories so far that have accrued on this particular website Pretty about creepy. what they're considering the most haunted road in Texas. Now, what I liked about this was just the idea that it was a, a website, not one of those listicle aggregate websites saying the top 10 most haunted roads in oh Texas. Oh, God, yeah. kind of thing like that, which we had a hard time with <sighs> trying to find our stories. Uh, this was just a place that just gathers a bunch of witness accounts of different stuff happening in Texas. And based on the number of accounts they got from this particular road, they're like, hey, this seems to be a really haunted road. That's crazy. So that's... Uh, What's the road name again? La Oma Road. La Oma. La Oma. I looked up La Oma Road. I wonder, yeah, what's the deal? I looked it up on Google Maps. The deal? And it is an unbroken, completely straight line that stretches on for about ten and a half miles. Long enough for you to start having strange things happen if you're staring in one direction for Dep- a long yeah, time. Yeah, if you happen to drive, I mean, this is the entire length of the road. It goes from, like, it's, uh, if you start, go south to oh, north. Oh, I see. It, um, one end is, um, I think it's like some kind of, like, flood. Um, what are those things called? Flood levee thingies. Oh, like a culvert? Yeah, like one of those big... It's, it looks like... Not a, not a drainway kind of thing, but like a... It looks like it's one of those. And then 10 and a half miles north from there, it just ends like in a cross street going... Um, there's a bunch of cornfields or whatever there. Mm. Um, just farmland. So it's a very long stretch. A bunch of different crossroads along the way as you go. Different intersections and stuff. So you can't just drive the full 10 and a half miles nonstop because there right. are intersections. Right. But... It is quite an impressive, just continuous stretch of road that doesn't have any mm. turns at all. Mm-hmm. And due to where the road is in the country, it's also completely flat, as mm. is everything around it. Mm-hmm. But here's a street view photo if you want to see what it looks like. Um, so the people describing how over time it became more developed. Um, right. That is true for parts of it. Um, but as you get further north, it gets more and more rural until it looks like kind of like Ooh. this, just like very... Yeah. Um, yeah abandoned not abandoned but just kind of desolate looking uh yeah it's uh, prairie. wide open spaces by new england standards this is abandoned yes so palm trees are funky yeah it's funny there's like very little by way of trees except occasional palm trees for some reason just very weird good old the south it 
is very different from what we're used to up here. Yeah, for sure. Because here, if you have this much of an expanse of like unoccupied area, if it is farmland, it'll be rolling hills. And if it's not farmland, it's forest because we live in forest. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's La Oma Road as you get out of town. And it's, yeah, it's easily um, the kind of place where there's a lot of empty space on, like you can see basically to the horizon in all directions. Right. It's a lot of visible space for stuff to just show up in your peripheral vision when you're tired or right. apparently drunk in some people's cases. Uh, or taking your cousin around. Yeah, yeah, especially if your cousin's there to freak you out. What the heck's up uh, with it that? It seems like the perfect sort of place for simply getting spooked while on the road. Right. Either it's a long drive or if it's at nighttime. seems like a lot of these uh, road stories were at nighttime. And then if you live there and are named Casey, then you'll also have some really weird You're stuff happen. Big trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so I was hoping when I found this um, set of stories that it was going to prove to be a bit spookier than it turned out to be. Still cool to have, you know, one particular area, especially if it's a stretch of road. And it does look like, I mean, I could imagine driving on that stretch being... Kind of eerie, sure. Maybe more so no, for naturally. us because it's so un, it's so, it's so alien yeah, compared to our experience. Already. Yeah, I do like the idea of there being just stretches of of highway or of whatever where uh, where strange things can happen. That is really creepy. I know I've heard of other areas like that where. Um, have you seen Best in Show? Oh, I love Best in Show. Uh, I think it may be in the deleted scenes, possibly, but when oh. uh, Christopher Guest's character is just like talking to the camera while driving for a while. About like all the pine nuts and every nut he knows or something else. It was a different thing. It was a similar kind of like rambling that his character does, but he's describing like as they're driving these different stretches of road and how all these different parts are like. This, oh, uh, this maybe that was deleted scenes then. This part's called uh, Devil's Heel. Uh, it's not much <laughs> of a heel, but it's it's called because just describing like different, <laughs> you're, one part's haunted, one part's mm-hmm. a car accident, one, just a bunch of different stretches that are all, all called these Devil's, like Devil's low- Hill. Oh, nice! <laughs> 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 um, but there are a lot of stretches all over the country or all over the world where people do claim that there are recurring spooky mm-hmm. experiences. Sometimes one particular ghost, and we can think of some of the right. stuff we talked about in our phantom episode things like the bandage man the bandage comes up man. again i know there's many stories of like ghost hitchhikers too yeah for sure bum, who bum a ride and then they're gone or they show up and they're suddenly revealed to be like ghoulishly disfigured or yeah. ghostly or a large march i guess that's kind of a reverse she picks up hitchhikers <laughs> Oh. But again, you haven't seen Pibby's Big Adventure, so nope. why are we even talking about this? I know. The uh, shame of my <laughs> life. <laughs> um, so you're one great failure. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, a lot of these, probably these sorts of stories didn't come up until we had a highway system after the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering how soon after that highway-type ghost stories started popping up. Would you have a new that cultural... That really cool. ...common cultural touchstone. I wonder yeah. how much that became a thing. So maybe next time we start looking into haunted locations, I might try and look into the history behind uh, highway hauntings. Heck yeah. That sounds cool because, man... It's, that its, would own, let you it's kind of its own genre it of is, haunting. But it's a kind of cool, you know, case-by-case case situation in which you can track the birth of the story and then how much like society's development acts as like a vector for spooky tales you know yeah. what i mean like what came first society or the haunting right i would wager it's society yeah but you know either way and then how many of the stories have actual true histories of creepy shit having happened there yeah that you could feasibly go oh maybe that's what caused it exactly but very cool man 
Well, thank you. So that's my spooky spot for the week. I like it. All righty. What do you got right. from me there, Shell? So my story did come off of one of those goddamn listicle <laughs> pages. They're pretty unavoidable. They're tough, yeah. Um, turns out if you search for haunted place globe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> minus house, minus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mansion, uh, yeah, you get top 10, top 25 lists, and they suck. But one, or should I say a number of them, all triangulated to what I have for you today. So... For my section, we head to the fertile lowland valley of Angus, Scotland. Sheep undoubtedly buying somewhere. <laughs> Kilts, perhaps worn. Highlands, not far away. The uh, Sidla Hills lurk to the south and to the north. Those good old Grampian Mountains towering with geriatric majesty <laughs> over the Scottish <laughs> landscape. It is here near the humble little village of Gloms that one can find Jake would you mind reading off the name Glomis Castle it does look like Glomis doesn't it it does G-L-A-M-I-S should be pronounced Glomis or Glamis in my mind mm -hmm. but uh, it's Gloms apparently Gloms. okay so we got some uh, Scots Gaelic going on probably Gloms so before I get to the spooky let me tell you all a little about Gloms Castle uh, this thing is imposing and as grandiose and rather beautiful as it is. The structure already gives me the heebie-jeebies. I will show you some pictures. Here you go. It's very beautiful. It's very nice. Yes. Oh, that's a very... It's not like one of the old ruins you'd see. It's like a pretty snazzy castle. Pretty snazzy. It is almost perfectly symmetrical for many angles, which is alternately appealing and unnerving, depending. It's symmetrical from absolutely all angles. It's a <laughs> sphere. <perfect> sphere. <laughs> Just hovering there. <laughs> I think this place is fucking haunted, dude. <laughs> it's fine. Plenty of castles hover like that. <laughs> But yeah, even the Scottish poet James Betty described Gloms as presenting an air of, quote, haughty defiance and sullen gloom. Hmm. Um, long before there was a castle, however, ancient peoples occupied the land. A Pictish stone known as the Easy Stone calls the region of Gloms home. So if you don't know, the Picts were um, an ancient Iron Age people that um have since vanished as it were but uh they were around in the isles from about 100 to 50 bce and they left behind these carved stones that are often in the form of a cross with like many knots and other kinds of figures carved mm. in and they're just one of those kind of cool uh relics that remain from times gone by awesome so that is on the site and later on, much later on, the grounds were occupied originally by a royal hunting lodge and later still by a royal residence. Um, not quite a castle at that point. Um, it was during that time, though. Just a that fancy ass house. Just a fancy ass house. <laughs> the king's shack. Um, <laughs> king Malcolm II of Alba was assassinated in Gloms in 1034. This is still before the time of the castle. Um, it wasn't until the 1300s that Glom's Castle was constructed, and it would be reconstructed and modified something like two or three more times to reach its current form. Uh, Shakespeare himself would cast Glom's as the home of cursed King Macbeth, hmm. uh, though the real King Macbeth had no association with the spot. The castle then passed through generations of lords and would be the childhood haunt of Queen Elizabeth I. 
mother uh-huh. of Queen Elizabeth II. Long, Long may, may she reign. reign. God, save the queen. <laughs> save the queen, God. <laughs> Are you there, God? It's me, Jake, asking you to save the queen. <laughs> oh, fuck. I can't do it. I was going to try to make the Lord's Prayer about saving the queen. <laughs> Speaking of which, my favorite way of keeping time. Um, and it was the birthplace of Her Majesty's royal sibling, Princess Margaret, R.I.P., R.I. royalty. Uh, so that's the broad background. There's plenty more to dig up, but um, I'm just going to include a link to the Glom's Castle timeline that they have on their like tourist site. Groovy. So, so far, nothing terribly spooky to speak of, so why the heck am I talking about Glom's? Well, it just so happens... Glom's Castle is creepy as fuck. All right. Despite its popularity as a tourist destination, Glom's history is pretty fraught and freaky. The castle is apparently littered with secret rooms and chambers, which, while normally kind of a castle trope, actually play into the overall mystique and feature centrally in more than one tale. I'll tell six of Glom's creepy tales, four of which qualify for full-on stuttered 6G ghost status, (laughs) as in... Ghost. (laughs) So, here are some spooky, potentially true stories. The Ogilvy clan were said to have come to the castle in 1486, begging for protection from their enemies, the Lindsays. Um, We both know Lindsay. This is kind of funny. Uh, This is back during Scotland's protracted Game of Thrones period, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, the Earl of Strathmore, which is one of the official titles for the owner of Gloms, uh, led the Ogilvies to a hidden chamber deep in the castle. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's now known as the Haunted Chamber. Mm -hmm. The Earl had already struck a deal with the Lindsays, and once the Ogilvy clan was inside the chamber, he left them there to starve. Damn. In desperation, the family were said to have turned to cannibalism, even gnawing on their own flesh. When the room was finally unsealed over a month later... Only one member of the family was found barely alive. Wow. There is, also on the grounds, this is the second story, a small chapel within the castle with seating for 46 people. But one seat is always reserved for the white lady, also sometimes referred to as the gray lady. Depends on how much lighting there is. Yeah, exactly. How, how happy she's feeling on the day. <laughs> this white lady entity is uh, has said to be seen by many visitors to the chapel, either um, in her saved seat or occasionally walking through the chapel and straight through its sometimes closed doors. Hmm. So, you know, ghosty shit. Uh, she slash it is thought to be the ghost of Janet Douglas, former Lady Gloms. Janet poisoned her first husband, Lord John Lyon the Sixth. Uh, he just would not do those friggin' dishes already. <laughs> um, and proceeded to get herself caught the frick up in the uh, political tensions of her era, which was the 1500s. Naturally, it wasn't long before Janet was held on conspiracy to poison King James V, the douche king. Um, (laughs) James, who was only 25 at the time and sounds like a freaking jerk, (laughs) and worse, already hated Janet and the rest of her family for very Scottish land battle-type political reasons, seized on the chance to have her convicted of witchcraft, and she was uh, burned alive in front of her son. That's a pretty random charge to choose. Like, how about, uh, yeah, I'll give her uh, witchcraft. Witchcraft. Yeah, exactly. Spin the wheel of charges. <laughs> and, oh, it's oh, witchcraft. It's too bad. You it hate to see that. Just next to the free-to-go <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> pin or something. So for our next story, we can turn to 
Kim, who has reached the rank of fresh blood on forum.fortiantimes.com. Hmm. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Yes. <laughs> on Friday, my husband and I decided to visit Glam's Castle in Angus, Scotland. You are taken around the rooms by a tour guide. As we ventured up a step into the Queen Mother's broom, I suddenly felt very cold, shivery, and uneasy. I turned to my husband and actually told him that I felt as if someone had died on that very spot. Glom's castle is full of ghosts and is known to be ghosts and is, is full of ghosts. It's <laughs> just one really big ghost. <laughs> um, and is known to be the most haunted in Scotland. We were told about a couple of the ghosts that roam the castle. When I returned home, I looked online for more information regarding Glom's and its ghosts. I was rather unnerved to read that a servant boy, who was always getting up to mischief, used to sit on the stone step outside the Queen Mother's room, waiting for his orders. One particularly cold winter's night, everybody forgot about him and never dismissed him. He was found in the morning frozen to death in the very spot that I had told my husband someone had died. He is also known to trip people up when they enter the Queen Mother's room. A punk. That little jerk. Another frequently witnessed apparition is that of the ghost of Earl Beardy. Mm -hmm. Not me. <laughs> Wikipedia even features the legend on the page for the castle, which tells of the 15th century Earl Beardy, who has been identified with both Alexander Lyon, second Lord Gloms, and with Alexander Lindsay, fourth Earl of Crawford. Uh, several versions exist, but they all involve Earl Beardy playing cards. Apparently, the guy really loved cards very much. Um, and, however, it was the Sabbath, so either his hosts refused to play or a servant advised him to stop, depending on the you know story version. Because, you know, God hates cards. It's not a good idea to keep going. God's going to be so angry. I've got to play my cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a pirate. Um, the tale goes that Lord Beardy became furious and declared that he would play until doomsday or with the devil himself, depending on the version. I like the thought of him calling out both, though. <laughs> yeah, whichever comes first. <laughs> yeah. A stranger that appears at the castle joins Lord Beardy in a game of cards. Guess who the stranger is, Jake? The devil. Yep. And uh, he proceeds to take Earl Beardy's soul, and or, in some versions, condemns the Earl to play cards until doomsday. Which is exactly what he was asking to do, so he's pretty cool with it. Yeah, he kind of like got what he asked for, and... So, to this day, the Earl's ghost is said to be heard rolling dice, stamping, and swearing. So, basically, no different from what people probably hear downstairs of my apartment. <laughs> um, but also, what game of cards is he playing that involves <laughs> dice? You've never played dice, cards, horseshoes? <laughs> it's um, like rock, paper, scissors, but it's much more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it takes 15 hours to get through a single round of the game. In 1957, a servant at the castle, Florence Foster, reported in a newspaper article that she had heard these sounds. And, yeah, the Earl's presence is still seen, heard, and felt all around the castle. Never tasted or smelled, fortunately. <laughs> I feel like I taste a ghost nearby. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I would know this taste anywhere. <laughs> and of the various apparitions to haunt Glam's, none are apparently witnessed as frequently nor with as much terror as the tongueless woman. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, very gross. Guests and visitors have consistently reported seeing a tongueless woman either staring from a window or silently running through the grounds with her face stretched in a pained scream. 
Um, hmm. The legend goes that she is the ghost of a servant girl who, having stumbled onto Glom's darkest secret, had her tongue cut from her head to prevent her from telling the world outside. But when she ran for it, was killed. Hmm. Um, and it is they could have just like kind of cut right to that instead. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. Yeah, we'll let you live your life, but uh, horribly disfigured. So um, be wondering always why you had yeah. your tongue cut out and, and try and dig deeper to find out. When they do wonder, don't write it down, please. <laughs> but it is this aspect of a dark secret that takes us to my favorite story of all. Mm. And this will occupy the rest of my segment, and it is... Four hours long. Four hours long, exactly. So, the monster of gloms. Hmm. Not me, Jake. It's not pointing. Um, AKA the Mad Earl of Gloms. A story so well known, so terrible, and so within the realm of possibility that in reading it, I could feel my skin attempting to move from a crawl to a straight up skitter. <laughs> um, for this section, I draw mainly on. Is that why your skin's on backwards now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for this section, I draw mainly on excerpts from an article by Mike Dash for Smithsonian Magazine. He does a really great job of unpacking this eerie tale. So, we begin with a quote. If you could even guess the nature of this castle's secret, said Claude Bowes Linden, 13th Earl of Strathmore, you would get down on your knees and thank God it was not yours. That awful secret was once the talk of Europe. From perhaps the 1840s until 1905, the Earl's ancestral seat at Glom's Castle was home to a, quote, mystery of mysteries an enigma that involved a hidden room, a secret passage, solemn initiations, scandal, and shadowy figures glimpsed by night on castle battlements. Hmm. Sounds pretty exciting. Are you intrigued? I am. The conundrum... I was hoping the list was going to keep going on and on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All the specific things it involved. A bloodstained letter. A strange skull. (laughs) Birds flying in an odd pattern. Two compasses. Both pointing at the other. (laughs) And a bag of chips. <laughs> Crisps, Wyatt. Crisps, Crisps excuse me. Um, no, they wanted a bag of potatoes. <laughs> or whatever. Fries. Fries. <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> the conundrum engaged two generations of high society until, soon after 1900, the secret itself was lost. One version of the story holds that it was so terrible that the 13th Earl's heir flatly refused to have it revealed to him. Yet the mystery of Glom's remains kept alive by its association with royalty and by the fact that at least some members of the Bowes Lion family insisted it was real. Gloms has been the family seat of the Strathmore Earls since its construction, but by the late 18th century it lay largely empty, its owners preferring to live somewhere less drafty, less isolated, and less melancholy. In their absence, Gloms was left in the care of a factor or a state manager, and it was to this factor that a young Walter Scott applied in 1790 to spend a night in one of its rooms. Scott became the first of several writers to note the castle's oppressive atmosphere. Quote, I must own, he wrote in an account published in 1830, as I heard door after door shut after my conductor had retired, I began to consider myself as too far from the living and somewhat too near to the dead. What was more, the great novelist added, Gloms was said to hide a secret room, Its location was known only to the Earl, his factor, and his heir. In one sense, however, the most interesting thing about Scott's account is what it doesn't say. The novelist wrote nothing to suggest that the castle's hidden chamber had an occupant. Yet, within half a century of his visit, 
it had begun to be rumored that the room concealed an unknown captive, a prisoner who had been held there his entire life. Hmm. The first reports of Glom's unknown prisoner appear to date to the 1840s. According to a correspondent to the journal Notes and Queries, writing in 1908, the mystery was told to the present writer some 60 years ago when he was a boy, and it made a great impression on him. The story was and is that in the castle of Glom's is a secret chamber. In this chamber is confined a monster who is the rightful heir to the title and property, but who is so unpresentable that it is necessary to keep him out of sight and out of possession. He's just like kind of not conventionally attractive. Yeah. My God. He's so normal looking. (laughs) (laughs) Just who this elusive captive might be was the subject of considerable speculation. It was generally believed that he must have been a member of the Bowes Lion family and commonly suggested that he was the firstborn of the 11th Earl. Supporters of this theory point to Douglas's Scots Peerage, which records that after Lord Gloms married Charlotte Grimstead in 1820, their first child was, quote, a son born and died 21st October 1821. What if that son, the thinking goes, did not die so quickly and conveniently? Hmm. What if he instead lived on, hidden away somewhere inside the castle? Several Victorian-era guests at Gloms made it their business to pry into the Earl's supposed secret, and by the second half of the century, it was frequently reported that a child had been born to the Bows Lions' horribly deformed, whole in mind, perhaps, but so hideously twisted in a body that he could never be allowed to inherit the title. In his book, Eerie Britain, M.B. Ford speculates that the child may have suffered from quadrimembral limb deficiency, which causes shortened limbs, or that he may have had the appallingly tragic Proteus Syndrome, made famous by Joseph Merrick, the Mm, elephant man. Yeah. As he was the firstborn son, he would, under normal circumstances, have inherited the earldom. This was unthinkable to the Blue Bloods, so the child was locked away in one of the castle's numerous secret rooms. This may sound like the plot of some gothic novel, but believers in the theory point out that the family has dealt with some of its members in ways that outsiders might consider harsh. After the First World War, Catherine and Orissa Bow's lion, both cousins of the present queen, were born mentally disabled. Both spent their lives locked away in homes and hospitals, ignored by their family. Jesus. So they've got it in them to uh, do this kind of mm. pretty horrifying shit. Yeah. What this, quote, monster of gloms might have looked like has been the subject of debate. There are tales of strange shadows seen on battlements in a part of the castle known as the Mad Earl's Walk. Some guests staying at the castle claim to have been woken in the night by strange grunts and snarls. One woman said she saw a mournful, pale face with huge eyes staring at her from across the courtyard. In 1869, a Mrs. Monroe woke in the night to feel what she described as a beard brushing her face. Then she saw a strange form stumble into the next room where her young son was sleeping. The boy woke screaming and told his distraught parents that he had seen a giant. A loud crash was heard by other guests in the castle that same night. A story dating to her about 1865 says that a workman at the castle unexpectedly came upon a door that opened into a long passage. Venturing in, the man saw something at the far end of the corridor and on reporting the circumstances to the clerk of works was pressingly encouraged to emigrate to australia (laughs) his passage paid by an anxious earl 
other 19th century accounts refer to the monster as a human toad. Hmm. The only detailed description emerged early in the 1960s when the writer James Wentworth Day spent time at Glom's while writing a history of the Bowes Lion family. From the then Earl and his relatives, Wentworth Day heard the legend that, quote, a monster was born into the family. He was the heir, a creature fearful to behold. It was impossible to allow his, uh, this deformed caricature of humanity to be seen, even by their friends. His chest an enormous barrel, hairy as a doormat. His head ran straight into his shoulders, and his arms and legs were toy-like. But, quote, however warped and twisted his body, the child had to be reared to manhood, unquote kept safe and occasionally exercised that job was given to the factor kind of freaky mm. i also like to kind of picture it as being just the rancor from return of the jedi <laughs> yeah exactly that would be kind of cute actually <laughs> <laughs> just occasionally feed prisoners to it <laughs> <laughs> but instead of dropping them into a pit they just shove them down a long hallway <laughs> that'd be even creepier actually yeah. oh my god if gloms really does have a secret chamber its location remains a mystery Estate papers record the construction of one such hidey hole adjacent to the charted room in the base of the tower, but others probably exist. One aristocratic guest, Lord Ernest Hamilton, wrote of discovering a passage concealed beneath, quote, a trap door in the floor of the blue room dressing room, while other sources suggest the chapel as a likely location. And the New York Sun reported in 1904, on one occasion a young doctor who was staying in the castle professionally found on returning to his bedroom that the carpet had been taken up and relayed. He noted that the mark on the, of the carpet was different at one end of the room. By moving the furniture and raising the carpet, he laid bare a trap door, which he forced open and found himself in a passage. This passage ended in a cement wall. The cement was still soft, leaving the impress of a finger. He returned to his room, and the next morning received a check for his services with the intimation that the carriage was ready to take him to the station for the first train. Not all accounts of the Glom's mystery are so anonymous. Sir Horace Rumbold, a British diplomat who first visited the castle in 1877, wrote of the frustration felt by successive countesses who were all denied knowledge of the secret. Hmm. The 12th Earl, in Rumbold's account, was a, quote, heedless man of the world with few prejudices and possibly fewer beliefs. His heir and that heir's son, though, were much more sober characters. This change was popularly attributed to their initiation into the family secret, which was thought to occur on the heir's 21st birthday. It is related, Rumbold continued, that on his deathbed, the 12th Earl told his brother that he must now endeavor to pray down the sinister influence he himself had in vain tried to laugh down, and which for so many years had darkened the family history. Unquote. Again, there is at least some evidence that this is what occurred. Hmm. One of the first orders given by the 13th Earl was for the family chapel to be restored. It was solemnly re rededicated in 1866, and shortly thereafter, according to the Penny Illustrated paper, quote, a guest who had been staying at the castle, leaving early in the morning, passed the little private chapel. There he saw kneeling in prayer at the altar, his host, still dressed in the evening clothes which he had worn overnight, unquote. Hmm. Yet another visitor to Glom's was Virginia Gabriel, a singer who, according to her niece, returned from a long stay in 1870, quote, full of the mysteries which she said had greatly increased since the death of the previous owner, unquote. 
It is to this visit that we owe a strange reminiscence of the Glom's factor, Andrew Ralston, a dour, hard-headed man who Gabriel reported refused ever to spend a night in the castle. During her stay, a sudden snowstorm one evening blanketed the estate with drifts several feet deep. The Earl begged Ralston to take a spare room, but the factor refused, instead rousing every servant in the house to have them dig a path to his home a mile away. Gabriel also recounted, uh, recorded an ominous conversation that she had with the Earl's wife. Quote, Lady Strathmore once confessed to Mr. Ralston her great anxiety to unravel the mystery. He looked earnestly at her and said very gravely, Lady Strathmore, it is fortunate that you do not know it and can never know it, for if you did, you would not be a happy woman. Such a speech from such a man is certainly uncanny. Unquote. Mm. Spooky. Isn't it, though? The 13th Earl of Strathmore was widely believed to find Glom's mystery a terrible burden. Quote, I have been into the room, Gabriel reported he had told his wife. I have heard the secret, and if you wish to please me, you will never mention the subject again. Unquote. It may have been then that Glom's secret began to pass from human knowledge. The 16th Earl, speaking to James Wentworth Day in the 1960s, insisted that he knew, quote, not a thing. It may have died with my father or my brother, who was killed in the war, unquote. At the time, it was generally assumed that the mystery was not passed down to further generations because there was no longer any need for it. The monster had died, and hence the scandal was at an end. When or if that happened, though, remains uncertain. The New York Times published a story as early as 1882 suggesting that, quote, It is now believed that the mystery has been in part solved, and that the room contained some person who died a week or two ago at a very advanced age. Other accounts suggest a death took place around 1904, around the time the 13th Earl passed on. Soon afterwards, the New York Tribune reported, quote, Glom's castle is to let at a very high rent. The fact that the new Earl of Strathmore could be willing to lease his ancestral historic home suggests the celebrated mystery in connection with this castle is now at an end, and the necessity of keeping secret the secluded one or more chambers no longer exists, unquote. Makes sense. Was the monster of Gloms ever more than mere gossip? The story is outlandish, and there are other legends of hidden rooms and nervous airs which strongly suggests that it was no more than a fable. At least one well-placed witness evidently suspected that the family spun tall tales themselves. David Lindsay, the urbane Earl of Crawford, visited Gloms in 1905 and noted in his diary that, quote, The lions talk freely about ghosts and invent stories to suit the idiosyncrasies of each guest. As to the alleged secret, I soon fathomed the mystery. The secret is that there is no secret. Against that, though, is the evidence that many members of the Bose Lion family took the mystery very seriously. The last word goes to Rose, Lady Granville, another of Wentworth Day's informants, an aunt to Elizabeth II. She had been born in the castle and, asked what she knew of the story, she, quote, looked serious, was silent for a moment, then said, we were never allowed to talk about it when we were children. Our parents forbade us ever to discuss the matter or ask any questions about it. My father and grandfather refused absolutely to discuss it. Hmm. Interesting that he is so, they're so particular about not discussing it at all. Like if it were not actually a real secret, does it make sense to, to act so skittish in that yeah. way? And I mean, and there you, there you have it. That is my tale for today. That is one hell of a tale. I love that. So creepy. I think it's super duper creepy, especially because I mean, among other things, it obviously seems so tangible, but also 
the aspect of just boxing a person away like that yeah and like keeping them alive but like keeping them as this like buried thing yeah it's just so freaky to me like it's a different kind of like horror than just deciding you want to kill that person because you don't want them around like right instead have them be just like chained said, buried, away yeah, exactly is you um, know is a darker just more horrible kind of fate like oh exactly that and and then to just uh, i just try to uh, put myself in like the factor's shoes or or lord strathmore characters shoes and to just imagine living in a building of that size and know that in one part of it there is this thing this person that is just like there yeah alive and you have to like privately secretly sustain it yeah oh mingled (laughs) with the guilt of it all and just the inheritance of it like each generation you're being like told this at your 21st birthday for instance like oh my god yeah Ugh. I feel like at some point it would stand to reason that at least one of them would be like, well, fuck that. I'm going to go let him out. Yeah, right. But I guess, I, I suppose after a certain amount of time, if, if maybe the earlier generations would want to really press the idea that, no, we can't let this true air out. Right. So they'd really play up the horribleness the monstrosity of, the, of it. Exactly. And, you know, assuming this person was not given any kind of proper uh, socialization or education or anything there's a very good chance they would just be a very strange person to interact with. Yeah. Indeed. And add to that the disfigurement and no kind of societal or medical contextualization for it. Mm. I mean, it would be just a very odd experience indeed. And I feel yes. just heartbroken for the person who yeah, and it's in, in that went sense through too, all if that. It, if it is or is like, if it isn't true, then it's a very kind of perfect gothic sort of story yeah, right, where it's right. like there's a monster, but it's a tragic monster. And right. It's, hor- it's horror, but also sad. Right. It's, it's very interesting. So... Well, that's a very cool story. There you have it. That's a very spooky spot. Yeah. I Good so. stuff, Mr. Shell. Oh, I'm it. Yeah, I'd definitely like to go down this route again sometime. Uh, that, <laughs> down not, this not haunted that road again sometime. <laughs> yeah. uh, and try out some other uh, spooky locales around the world. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Yeah, thank you very much. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the ep. And uh, we hope to see you next week for another one. Yeah, and you know, feel free to, if you haven't done so already, uh, rate us on iTunes. You know, yes, leave, please. Leave a review is even better. Uh, try and... We want to, you know, boost that signal. We would, get we us would out love to, uh, yeah, spread the word. If you haven't told your friends, tell them all right now. We'll wait. We'll wait. Yeah, or at least we'll wait till next week, and then we're gonna we're gonna follow up. <laughs> we'll, okay, fine. We'll check in. But uh, yeah, no, thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll see you then. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. This section here was uh, also called Phantom Hill. Uh, and it's not again. It's not a hill, and there's no phantom per se, but it is uh, was called Phantom Hill.